Well, church, I've uh, come to the end of a four-week, I guess it's been a series, but we've been talking about things in relation to, um, I guess, direction um, and faith, and in particular, uh, us moving together as a community, trusting in God. Uh, The first sermon I did four weeks ago was called The Secret of Guidance, uh, and it was about how God guides and how we might seek that and what we might do to cooperate with that. Second week, we spoke about stepping out together in faith. And uh, that was about uh, the idea that as a community, we heard from God, we followed our leaders and we went across into the promised land together as God did a miracle. You remember we talked about the original people of God being on the Jordan and going through uh, the last week we spoke about don't tell God it can't be done and we backtracked a little bit where we looked at this pivotal moment in the history of God's people when uh, they were sent to explore the promised land and the report that came back was divided. Uh, Ten said, no, we're not going to make it, we can't do it. Two said, go, uh, and, but it caused this massive rift Uh, in uh, the people of God at the time and they paid the price for it for a period of 40 years which in Bible speak is a generation. It was just, it had an effect forever uh, in terms of their lives at that time. So having taken this uh, journey and this step, we now arrive at a message that I want to share over what's going to be the next 25 minutes or so uh, called Dream Fulfilling the destiny placed in you by God. Now, um, you might be responding to that title in a couple of ways. The first thought might be, okay, I'm now thinking about my dreams and me uh, and and what God's going to do through me in my life. And that's okay. (laughs) Because we, at the end of the day, we only live our own lives. (laughs) You don't have to live other people's lives for them and you're only going to give an account ultimately for your life. But I also want you to think about that title from the point of view of uh, fulfilling the destiny placed in you, plural, by God. So there it's where we reflect on what God has placed in us as a community, who he's equipped us with, Uh, what we are called to do in this place and beyond. So I want you to consider it you single and you plural. And to help us reflect on dream, dreaming and dreams, we're going to go to, I don't know if you'd call him the master of dreams, but a guy whose dreams really changed his life and uh, then changed the life of the entire nation that he was a part of and saved all the world around him. (laughs) If you are having a ranking of dreams and their significance in terms of the destiny of countless thousands of people, then what happened to Joseph would be ranked right up there. It was truly destiny defining for him, but more happily saved countless thousands from starvation and saved God's original people and set them on their pathway uh, to their destiny. Joseph was born in 1915 BC 
in Mesopotamia. So sometimes you might be reading a Bible story and saying, who is this guy? Did someone make this up? Is this real? Well, we can date Joseph's life and his region. All the names are given. All the dates are there to that point in time. So going back a little while ago, what's that? Nearly 4,000 years ago. Mesopotamia uh, is a Greek word meaning between two rivers which was the Tigris and the Euphrates. So it refers to that region and it corresponds largely to today's Iraq, but also takes in a bit of Iran, Syria and Turkey. So it's the Eastern Mediterranean. He lived for some of his time in Canaan, which takes in today Lebanon, Israel, Northwest Jordan and some of Syria. So that is a region and a country that... Uh, certainly uh, we can identify today with modern areas. And then he died at 110 in 1805 BC in Egypt, and Egypt equates with the area of Egypt. (laughs) I've put a lot of work into researching that. Um, Amazing place, Egypt. Just going to tell you a little quick story. I've had the privilege of visiting Cairo, and um, when you realise you're in a country that's in the Bible... You're thinking, this is, this is unbelievable. You know, we, I don't know if you noticed tonight, Australia is not mentioned in the scriptures. You know, I don't know what happened. It sort of came a bit after and that. But Egypt, there you are, and you're driving through effectively the city of Cairo or the suburbs, and you look up in, out of your bus and you see the pyramids of Giza, in, like from Cairo. They're just, like, they're just outside the city. And you just think, man, <laughs> we ought to get one of those in Adelaide. You know, they could have built a pyramid instead of the Magic Mountain. But anyway, uh, anyway, they're, they're amazing. So Egypt is Egypt. It's an ancient place. And that's where Joseph ended up. And for those of you who know the biblical story, you'll know that it's important that he got to Egypt. He's one of the 12 sons of Jacob who became the ancestors of the 12 tribes of Israel. And more than a quarter of the book of Genesis tells us the story of his life. The life of Joseph is a huge focus in the book of Genesis. And uh, it uh, really is important because he's the linchpin that gets the people of God to Egypt. And of course, then they're delivered from there. But Joseph's story is also a remarkable example of the providence and the faithfulness of God in leading a young man out of his comfort zone, literally, and into his destiny so that he could lead the original people of God into theirs. And when it comes to talking about dreams, sometimes, depending on your personality, you might be thinking, oh, this is a dream that I'm having because it's about me getting here or me doing that. And, uh, you know, it's all about me. It's me dreaming. But God places dreams in the lives of his people. And I actually want to suggest all people so that his destiny for all people can be outworked. So that dream that you have that you can't get over or you haven't gotten rid of or maybe you're outworking at the moment is not just about you reaching your destiny, but it's you doing something so that other people are blessed. Uh, think, I mean, there are countless examples. Think about Edison thinking about electricity and you know him dreaming about power running through wires and it creating light. I mean, did that dream have a significant impact on society? I think so. Every time I open the fridge and get out a cold bottle of milk, 
I give thanks to God and then I give thanks to Thomas Edison. Uh, I was reading in the paper about ice boxes. Did anyone, anyone here ever possess an ice box? Raise your hand. Okay, or a few did. You had one, Jim? Mike said yes. Anyway, they were things that were insulated, but they had ice to keep them cold. You had to get a regular delivery of ice. I never saw one. I just had a fridge. So I'm not that old. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is dreaming, even though you might think, you know, we use it sometimes as as an insult. Oh, they're dreaming. But actually, to see something that doesn't exist now is essential for going forward in humanity. Whether you're dreaming of getting married or dreaming of having children or whatever it is, there must be a moment in time where you see something as it is not now in order to move towards it. Now, it's true sometimes that things can happen accidentally and we fall into this or we just stumble into that. But the ability to project and to say, that is something good, it is not as it is now, but we or I should move towards it, that's essential. Because otherwise nothing gets attempted, nothing gets done, nothing ever happens. Think of Pastor David Smythe and Narina, you know, back there at the Seton Church, looking to the region that they've lived in most of their lives and saying, we see a church in that community, a Christian family centre. Now, they had to go through a lot of that, a lot of dreaming, a lot of visioneering, a lot of thinking before they came to the point where they said, let's go. (laughs) And of course, they took others with them. And here we are 20 years later. So that, that can't start without a dream. And that's probably a dream that David and Irina cherished and nurtured for, for years, maybe decades before it came to pass. So folks, I understand the Aussie vernacular, tell them they're dreaming. You hear it in the movie, The Castle. We all have a bit of a laugh about it um, when they're trying to sell pole vaulting stick. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You have to watch the movie. But um, dreaming's good. <laughs> We need to dream, and Joseph had a dream that uh, was absolutely essential for him moving forward and, in fact, for sustaining him while he was uh, going through a difficult time. Now, I want to speak briefly about what is a dream, and really, broadly speaking, you can have two categories, I guess. The dreaming that I've been talking about so far is largely dreaming when you're awake, so that's when you're not asleep but you're thinking about what could be. Either something you desire or something that you think needs to happen or something that's required for a community of people or for you to move forward. It's it's dreaming when you're awake. You could call it daydreaming, but again, it's not necessarily idle. Sometimes we think about lots of stuff and lots of stuff passes our head and none of it necessarily, not all of it's useful, but sometimes we're thinking, man, what about that? Or maybe we could do that. Or I think this would solve that. Or, or this could help in that area. Or, or wouldn't that be fantastic? And, and wouldn't that bring glory to God? And it just goes on. And it's dreaming while we're awake. So I don't know whether you're a person that does a lot of that or not much of it. I don't know. I think maybe it's a bit personality driven. We know some 
people are naturally leadership oriented and, and they want to move somewhere and they're entrepreneurial and they're pioneering and they break ground and, and they move forward in that and, and they probably spend a lot of time in that. Others of us, maybe not so much. But somewhere it's got to happen within a community of people in order to move forward. The other type of dreaming is when we're asleep. And this one is something I think probably all of us do. Uh, you know, experts tell us that it's actually an essential part of getting good sleep. You should be dreaming somewhere in there. Um, most of us are aware that the dreams we have when we're asleep... Um, <laughs> Some of them are just plain wacky. I mean, surely everyone here has had a dream. They woke up and they thought, what was that? I mean, give me a break. That was just weird. So we need to be a little bit careful with the dreams that we dream while we're asleep so that we don't wake up and say, I just had a dream. I was standing on the top of Mount Everest. And, you know, so now, uh, see you later, Jude. I'm going to climb Mount Everest. I had this, you know, I mean, give me a break. Um, we, our understanding of the way the brain works is that dreaming is a part of cataloguing thoughts, it's thought, because how do you really test that? <laughs> and so it's a natural, when you go to sleep, you know, you're, it sort of gets a whole lot of stuff folded away in your head and, and on you go <laughs> with the next day. So uh, just because you dreamed about, you know, this or that doesn't necessarily mean God has spoken. However, the Bible does understand that God speaks through dreams and uh, we've mentioned many times in this service the testimony of Andrew and Ali Langmaid who when they were ministering in Turkey would often come across people from a Muslim background who would ask them something about Jesus and they learnt very quickly to say to them next immediately, have you had a dream? And they came across so many people that had said yes, I had a dream where Jesus appeared, somehow identified himself, they knew who it was, and it's as if God is saying, you are going to have an encounter with this Jesus. I'm sending you someone that you are going to have a conversation about. And lo and behold, their destiny from this pathway and following after the Muslim faith is completely altered. And it's reported time and time again in various settings, maybe cultures that have more of an understanding of activating dreams and responding to them, that God uses it repeatedly. So dreams are asleep. I don't have any doubt God can speak through them, but please be cautious. I know some, I've heard of ministries, Christian ministries of people interpreting, you know, they'll interpret your dreams for you. And I'm, I'm just not sure, to be honest, what that's grounded on. And it's got to line up with the word of God and we should be cautious because sometimes it's just our brain sorting itself out for the next day. All right, so there's two types of dreaming. God can speak through both, but be careful uh, with uh, the dreams probably that you dream when you're awake and when you're asleep, but God wants to speak through them. And so in answer to the question, uh, does God still speak by dreams today? Our response is he might, but test everything. So it's interesting that in the phrase that we're familiar with in 1 Corinthians 5 that says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, it immediately says after that, but test them all. So a prophecy, 
because someone says, I have a prophecy and I'm prophesying and that's whatever, and then it suddenly moves into law, as it were, the scripture doesn't understand that. It expects that a prophecy, as it were, is tested. And you can add to that a dream that you think is prophetic or that God is speaking through. It has to be tested. And then it goes on to give the summary statement, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. So it expects that a prophecy could be assessed on a good and evil basis. The true only test of that is that. So that'll define whether it's one or the other. And uh, then the, the, the move is made forward. We also would say that we would point to Joel 2.28 and say that there is an expectation in the scriptures that God does speak through dreams and through visions. And we're well aware of this prophecy that the Apostle Peter quotes on the day of Pentecost when the people who hear the people speaking in their own language, even though they didn't come from that region, say, what is this? And in response, Peter explains, he talks about the death of Jesus, his resurrection and ascension. And then he says, this, what you're seeing now is a fulfilment of this prophecy happening. And this prophecy specifically refers to uh, dreams and visions. And it's saying in referring to young men and old men, basically, they're for everyone. That anyone can see a vision, anyone can receive a dream and that it can be part of God speaking his will over people, revealing himself to people and perhaps revealing a destiny to a group of people such as a church or a community. So the dreams are not just for ourselves, they're for everyone else, they're for our church, but they're also for our world. Joseph in his dreams uh, goes something like this. We've got the ages listed on the left, then who had the dreams and where they appear in the scriptures. Many of you are aware of the dreams that he had as a 17-year-old. They were his own dreams, and they spoke about how uh, he was going to uh, seemingly be in a position of authority over his brothers and over his parents. And when you think about that, to have a dream like that as a 17-year-old, it, it, it was very countercultural that in some sense you would precede your brothers who were older than you and certainly your parents in terms of authority. It's quite unusual. If that was going to happen, that would normally be something when they were all dead. So Joseph has this dream. Uh, he's nothing wrong with having the dream. It became very important in the future. He probably erred a little bit when he shared it with the rest of the family. <laughs> Guess what? You know, I am going to rule over you, mum and dad. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried that on mum and dad at 17. How did you go? He didn't get a good reaction. His brothers hated him even more. They were already upset with him because dad loved him more than the others. And even his dad thought, mate, you've overstepped the mark a little bit this time, uh, even though his dad loved him dearly. So... Uh, Joseph shares his dreams. He, he then mellows a bit. And we're going to explain that in a, in a few moments' time because uh, he then responds to his friend's dream and then it's Pharaoh's dream that he interprets and that he moves on his way. So we're just going to move through this uh, just quickly. You know the story. This is his brother's reaction. Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream. And 
Folks, when it comes to sharing dreams, I mean, you're perhaps going to get two reactions, but firstly, the sharing of your dreams can be done at an inappropriate time. I want to say that. And it can be done to an inappropriate group of people or person. So just because we've had a dream doesn't necessarily mean that we go out and tell everyone straight away and it doesn't necessarily mean that we go out and tell everyone. You've got to be a bit careful about the timing on the one hand and the audience on the other because it's not always right to share it straight away and it's not always right to share it with anyone. It might be a time of delay and then there might be a time of really discerning who it is. However, it is also possible that having chosen your time well and that choosing the audience well, you still might get a negative reaction to your dream. Because sometimes that can be of a nature or so profound that even, you know, the person to me is thinking, what is this dream? What are you, like, do you think you're going to do that? Do you think you're going to be that? And even, even for a well-meaning human being to receive your dream, sometimes it's like, mate, it's, you're dreaming <laughs> in the negative sense. So, um, you know, don't be surprised if there's a negative reaction. Sometimes it's your fault, sometimes it's not your fault, but it can go with the territory. Joseph then told his father as well as his brothers and his father rebuked him. And said, what is this dream you had? Will, you, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind, which means that he remembered it. So Joseph shares these dreams. You know the story, probably he gets sold into slavery. He gets falsely accused of rape. He gets thrown into jail. And, uh, you know, it just seems like it's 11 years on. And it just seems like, where are his dreams now? Like, what did that dream mean? Because he's, ever since he had that dream, he's gone in reverse to that dream. He seems to have moved further away from it. And sometimes, folks, we've had a dream, we feel like God's spoken to us about something, but we look at our circumstances or our journey since then, and we say, where is this dream going? Like, it's, it's literally going nowhere. And Joseph was tested very much in that. However, he maintained his faith in his dream. Now, you might say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because when two of his fellow inmates came and shared a dream or the fact that they had a dream with him, he asked to hear their dreams uh, and basically um, uh, sees that they're dejected and then offers them the opportunity to tell them the meaning of those dreams. Uh, which uh, he does, and he says, do not interpretations belong to God. So even though Joseph's dream has gone in reverse since he received it, he still believes that God interprets dreams, gives dreams, speaks through dreams. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was locked up in jail, falsely accused of rape after being sold into slavery by my hateful and hurtful brothers who laughed at my dream along with my father... 11 years down the track, I might be starting to lose a bit of humour when it comes to dreams. But folks, Joseph didn't. And that's a challenge for all of us. No matter, we look at circumstance, we say, well, where's that dream going? And where's his dream now? Where's her dream now? Where's this place going? 
It's very easy to say, well, I think that dream's out the door. But instead, by speaking, now that faith, that original dream, that, that vision that was received is still present. God is still interpreting. It's still on. So Joseph responds well. And as you know, he interprets those dreams. And it turns out just before they go to reach their destiny, one gets the chop, the other gets restored. Joseph squeaks out just at the end, don't forget me. <laughs> Like he believes in his dream and he believes in God, but he's a little bit anxious and he just lets out a, don't forget me. And they, it's as if God wants to test him at that point of need, the need to have to be remembered, the need to have to be acknowledged, the need to have to be justified in some way. God goes into that space and says, we just, need to, we just need one final test and one final trust test, Joseph. And he gets forgotten about for two years. So he reaches the age 30. It's been 13 years since the dream at 17. Nothing's happening. He's just thinking, mate, I interpreted those guys' dreams. Like I got my own dreams. I'm helping them out with their dreams. And they don't even remember me. It's just, it's dust. But then he has the moment of truth with Pharaoh who has a dream, the Cupbearer remembers about Joseph. He gets called up in front of him. And uh, Joseph, uh, Pharaoh says, I had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I heard that you can do it. When you hear uh, a dream, you can interpret it. So the, the ruler of all the world has got Joseph in front of him and he said, and he said I hear you can do it. Now, the temptation for Joseph to say, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm good at the dreams thing. <laughs> you bet. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do your dream and, mate, I really hope it gets me out of this hellhole. <laughs> but he doesn't. He gives the glory to God and he risks his life by contradicting Pharaoh and say, I can't do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. After 13 years, after no sign of his dream going anywhere after helping others with their dreams, he still has faith in God to interpret and deliver a dream. And he tells Pharaoh, and of course, we know the story, it turns out right. And this is the journey that Joseph went on. And it might be a journey that you're involved in as well. He started by saying, here are my dreams. Right? This is, this is my dreams and, and this is how it involves you. <laughs> you're gonna, this is how you're going to serve my dream. And then he goes a little further down the track and he, he's changed a bit. He's softened after 11 years in the lockup and he says, tell me your dreams. I want to hear them. I can see you're a bit upset by it and I want to know what your dreams are. And then finally, he finishes with Pharaoh and he says, God will reveal and fulfill your dreams. He makes a statement of faith over the leader of all the land. And it seems like Joseph has gone on a full journey. So just before we wrap up here, I want to give us a challenge. We're going to sing together after we pray and then we're going to receive our financial report. What should you do in relation to this story? What should we do as a church, our ministry Department directors are going to be meeting after lunch today and I want to talk for part of the time to them about dream and dreaming and 
the first thing is to determine your dream. Uh, determine what it is that God has spoken over you or into you. You know, what is that thing that you aspire to that hasn't yet come to pass, but you would like to move towards? And that's something that we need to do as a church, but also as individuals. Mal Fletcher said this, a very confronting quote. It's sad to see so many people, even Christians, living only for what they've trained for, but never finding out what they're born for. Wow. You might have be looking at that quote and thinking, I didn't know there was any difference. I just assumed this is what I was born for. I, I went to uni, I went, did an apprenticeship, I did this, I did that. What's the problem? But Fletcher is trying to alert us to the fact that sometimes the trajectory they're on is not necessarily our ultimate destiny. It's something that I had to come to grips with after working as a journalist for 20 years and then going to serve as a pastor. That, in some ways, was a reflection, if you like, of that move towards my destiny. What you're trained for may be your career, but what you're born for is your calling. Man, does that make you sit up and take notice? That's a really powerful statement, isn't it? Uh, either what you're trained for, what you're born for, either your career or your calling. Now, by God's grace, sometimes they do match up, and that's great. We like that. Um, but I still remember when I preached my first sermon at the Seton Church after I became a pastor in 2005, I sent in an email to all my media friends saying, I'm preaching a sermon. <laughs> Maybe that was like me saying, I'm realising my dream. <laughs> anyway, only one of them came. It was a good friend that uh, I'd had for many years uh, from my first job at the news newspaper. And he came with his son, sat in the back, listened, stayed the whole service, listened to my sermon and caught up with him afterwards. And he said, mate, he said, you were born to it. I've never forgotten that statement. It, it, I was so delighted that he came, but he, he, he spoke that over me. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. But there was something, it was as if God was saying, you were meant to do that. That was your destiny. You, you've stepped into it. And that was really encouraging to me at the time. So what does that look like for each of us? What, how might that be expressed? Secondly... You might say, well, maybe you're a person that says, I don't know what my dream is, but I'll, I'll, okay, I'll think about it. Well, that's good. I'm happy that you did. You might be a person who says, I know what my dream is. I know what my destiny is. I know what I'm born for, but it ain't happening. Then the call to you is number two, do not let your dream die. You might be in a Joseph scenario. You've seen it clearly. You understand what it is. But your circumstances are saying something else. They're saying, this ain't going anywhere. You're a fool to think that. Why did you ever dream that? Why do you ever believe that? But the call to you is to persist like Joseph did, to believe that God faithfully gave the vision and the calling that he's able to guide and bring it to pass and that he still is able to interpret successfully the dream in you. So that's the second call to you is to not let the dream die. And finally to help God fulfil his dreams through others. Um, and a scripture that we're all aware of that uh, I want to finish on today is the one 
that says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And when we think about that, people have sought to say, what, what's the joy? What, that he's going back to heaven or, you know, he's going to get a, like, what, what's the joy? And people have hypothesised and say they believe it's reasonable to believe that the joy that, placed before, that was placed before Jesus was the church. That he saw countless people saying yes to him and yes to his father and that for that vision and that dream that was before him, he said yes to the cross. Now, sometimes when we hear the dream talk presented to us, we're thinking, oh, man, that's fantastic. You know, I, I, I'm, I want that dream. You know, my dream is uh, I'm going to win the RSL lottery and I'm going to live on the... And, and sometimes we're dreaming in that sense. But what, how do you feel about your dream if it involves a sacrifice and a cost and a, and a you know, decision to go through a cross? You know, I'm really glad that Jesus was willing to pursue that dream even though it meant death on a cross. And sometimes, you know, we're wondering, is it worth the cost? Is it, should I pay this price? I think God's put this in me, but it seems so hard. It's taken so long. I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if we can get there. But our example is Jesus who saw the church and yet went willingly to the cross, who saw the future, as it were, and said, through me, people are going to be gathered to the Father and took on the price. And the challenge for us is to then stand with him, stand with the God-given dream that he had and help God fulfil his dreams, not only through ourselves, but through others at the same time. Is that something we can say yes to, church? I think it's something that God is laying before us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you are a good God and that, Lord, you do speak to people through dreams and visions. We saw you do it with Joseph and, Lord, we saw you do it with Jesus that you still place destiny in the hearts and minds of people and of groups of people like this church, that you still give them a vision of the future and how things can be. And Lord, we confess today that at times we haven't really cherished our dreams. We've, we've pushed them to the side or haven't even sought one. And that at times, Lord, we've also struggled to believe that they could come to pass. Yet, Lord, we see that you are faithful to the end, that you endure to the end and that you can bring about the culmination of a dream through the most unlikely of circumstances. So, Lord, we want to bless you for that. And I want to pray for everyone here today, Lord, that they would rekindle, as it were, their dream or they would define it, they would be able to describe it and that then, Lord, they would not lose hope and faith through the words that you have spoken over them, that they would not despair, that they would not give up, that they would persevere and persist 
And Lord, that you would help us to do it as a community of your followers, that we would also have the ability to persist over what you've spoken over this community and this group of believers in this place. Father, we thank you for your encouragement today. We say, have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen.